0: So it is our 50th podcast. Woo! Woo!
1: That's fantastic. I can't believe it. 50.
0: I know. It's absolutely crazy. And in honor of our 50th, <laughs> <laughs> oh, crikey. So basically, Sarah and I have dressed up appropriately <laughs> for the show, movie themed. But as yet, we haven't revealed our outfits to each other we're obviously doing this over zoom but as yet we haven't allowed ourselves to see the video
1: we have no clue what i have each no a, clue well i i know what i'm wearing obviously but I don't have a clue so you gotta try and,
0: you try and guess what i you think i would Mm. dress
1: up in yeah i think we have two i think let's go for what i think you might wear or dress up in fancy dress wise oh then you need to give me a little clue i think oh i was just gonna say and, and then maybe a quote okay <laughs> okay i think you would dress up as indiana jones
0: <laughs> oh, okay. what do you think i
1: would dress up as <laughs> you could be insulting as you like rob It's fine.
0: Maybe you'll dress up as Ripley from Alien.
1: Ooh, that's quite a good one. Okay, okay. Are you going to give me a clue? Okay. Or is that too easy?
0: I'll give you a quote, but I'm not going to make it an easy quote. I'm just going to give you a quote. Okay, ready? Mm Mm-hmm. We need 5,000 bucks fast. Five grand. Who do you think we are? The Beatles? That's the quote.
1: (gasps) Wow. Uh, I have no idea. (laughs) I have no idea how am I going to guess your characters? Right, okay,
0: should I, I go first, then? I'll go first. Go on, yeah? then. Okay, here we yeah. go. About to reveal in... Reveal.
1: Three, dun, dun,
0: dun. two... It's like, it's like the Mars Singer. Here we go. One, it is. Two, three.
1: <laughs> it's blue. Is it Breeze Brothers, yeah? yeah it's Bruce yeah. Bruce Brothers! Yeah. Do you know what? I've not watched the Breeze Brothers. <laughs> oh. But I know you, it. That's very cool. Very, very cool.
0: Okay, there yeah, you go. Right, so now it's your turn. Yeah, you're going to give me a quote.
1: I can give you a noise.
0: I've got some popcorn. i tell you, I've got Coke, I've got popcorn, I've got party oh, do you know, poppers.
1: Do you know what I've just come off the back of? What? I've been at work and we had a cocktail party.
0: <laughs> uh uh oh. So,
1: it's going to be interesting. This is my noise.
0: Okay. Well, I think that sounds um. Is that like? Am I close with Star Wars? Mm-hmm. Well, I would say you're Darth Vader then. Once.
1: <laughs> well, Thanks. On. At least well No, it's not it. It's nothing. To, <laughs> I'm not
0: like trying to offend you. I'm trying to guess. Ready? But it's not that sound effect. Okay, here we go.
1: Help me, Obi Wan. Help me. <laughs> you're my only hope.
0: Well, you're, you're Princess Leia. Guess have a look. No. <laughs>
1: That's amazing. I the buns and everything. (laughs) My lightsaber is still going off, by the way. Oh, you've got a cake. I had
0: like the fitted candles, like a five and a zero. This is quite bizarre. On my son's scone that he made at school today, I thought I'd use the scones and I put a five and a zero on each one. (laughs) But by the time we got around to starting the podcast they have melted and the, the flame has gone bit. out. So it looks, it, looks, it looks a bit sad.
1: It still looks tasty, though, I have to say. After coming up a cocktail party, that looks quite delicious.
0: And some popcorn. And some popcorn.
1: I'm, yeah, I am, I'm quite hungry. Actually, I've had my dinner and I shouldn't be hungry. but
0: I've <laughs> got some party poppers. Okay, here, go ahead, go the first one.
1: Ready? Go on, then. You've got very cool glasses on as well. They're very shiny. And look, we've got our own little Oscar I know. Can oh. I just say thank you to Mr. Paul for making our I best movie podcast Oscars. Can we? They're just very di- cool.
0: They're actually three D printed, which is even more amazing.
1: Yes, he's very much into his three D printing at the moment. It oh, comes no. almost with the Opal Hunters. Uh, <laughs> but it's very very sweet, very cool. I can't like like believe fifty it. years. Can't believe fifty, 50, 50 years. Like, we've been doing this for fifty I've years. Re-
0: <laughs> 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 it feels like it. <laughs> <laughs> did we say we we're also going to try and do some uh, questions? I guess we did. No, we
1: did. I haven't got any though because okay, I've been let's, so let's busy with them. work. You're going to have to fire them at me. Right. Want, what about your game? You've got an, You've got a uh-huh. game that you were given for your birthday. Uh-huh. Let's do that one. Let's do that one.
0: Hold the line, caller.
1: Okay, I will do. Help me, Obi wan You're my only hope.
0: You can have kids Ooh. comedy, classics, or action.
1: Action. Oh, I like a bit of action. Give me some more action. I know. The thing is, <laughs> this is what you have before. See how you package. Alright, well uh, that- give me some kids. Kids, kids, kids.
0: Alright, kids. We're just gonna go with three. Three quick fire questions. Should we go? Go on then. Who is the voice of Princess Fiona in Shrek? Cameron Diaz. Boom. Okay. Yes. In the movie of the same name, who plays the greatest showman?
1: Um it is oh, Wolverine. What's his name? Oh, oh what is his name?
0: I'll give you I'll give you a clue. He's huge. Hugh
1: Jackman. Hugh Jackman, there you go. Yeah, huge Jackman.
0: And um, third question. Can you get uh-huh. three out of three? Which twenty seventeen DreamWorks movie sees a suit wearing baby boy help save the day.
1: In which year? Twenty seventeen. Suit wearing baby boy. The Incredibles?
0: No, The Boss Jack, Baby. Jack, Jack. The oh, Boss, boss Baby.
1: baby. Yeah, I was thinking of Jack-Jack.
0: I don't think I would have got that because I haven't seen that film.
1: What about action? I want some action then. Okay, all right.
0: Okay, <laughs> quick fire action.
1: Really, really, really quick one. Yeah. Okay, quick here quick. we
0: go. Who starred as a young Professor X in X-Men First Class?
1: Is that the young one or the old one? That's the young one, I think. Who's Professor X? That will be... I can't remember <laughs> <laughs> yeah? okay he was
0: in the last king of scotland he was in that yes i know i
1: know
0: oh yes yes okay.
1: yes yes
0: who starred as gi jane in the 1997 movie of the same name demi moore yeah last one yes. who starred in the transporter movie series
1: Jatham, uh, Jatham? Jason Statham.
0: It's Jatham Statham. You're right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's those cocktails.
0: <laughs> it is. Those afternoon cocktails.
1: Yeah, it is. Oh.
0: Whew, so that was all the celebrations done with. Although, do you I'm know what I'm going to do? Buns. I'm going to. You're still wearing your. Oh, we're going to keep it all on. I might let off a few random party poppers just strategically. While I'm
1: introducing yeah. the film. Yeah, yeah yeah, okay. yeah, yeah.
0: Particularly when you're trying to describe Black Bear to everyone. Okay, so if, if, <laughs> if, we start if, with Black Bear then. I, I think we should start with Black Bear because we get the weird. We get the weird stuff out of the way first. Yeah, I watched this. This is fresh in my memory, but I'm not actually sure that helps because. Yeah, I'm not really quite it's... sure what it was all about.
1: What was the emoji that I sent you again yesterday when after I watched it? Oh. I think it was the one with the eyes popping out.
0: That's right. And The bemused expression.
1: Anyway, Black Bear released in 2020, directed by Lawrence Michael Levine and also written by him as well. It has four standout stars, I would say, in this film. Aubrey Plaza who plays Allison. We've got Christopher Abbott that plays Gabe. And we've got Sarah Gadden that plays Blair. And Paula Lazaro who plays Kea. You may recognize her from The Walking Dead if you're a Walking Dead fan, which I am. So, Black Bear is going to be hard to describe. Let's just say. Alison arrives at this woodland retreat. She is a writer. And the first thing you see written down is you've got the parts. There's two parts to this film. One I would say is more serious than the other, the first part. The second one is kind of comical in some respects, and that's why it's a comedy drama, as you see on IMDb. The first part is where Alison arrives at this retreat. Um, we know she's a director and writer. This retreat is an amazing log. It's not really a log cabin. It's a log mansion, I would say, because it's fantastic by a lake, and it's, it's beautiful. And Gabe and Blair are married. Blair is pregnant and straight away, as soon as Alison walks down the road with Gabe, him carrying her luggage, there's a few evil stares going on here. And it's just like, what's going on? The first thing they say to you, oh, you're really pretty. And I'm like, that's a bit odd thing to say as a first hello kind of scenario. And actually, it's a little bit annoying when people say that because you're kind of wondering whether they actually do they really mean that as well. So, and that's what she asks back, Blair. So already a little bit of tension Gabe claims he doesn't really know her But actually he's a big fan of her And I think that's probably where the tension comes from Alison joins them I think she's trying to get her mojo back For doing some writing We find her wanting to sit by the lake And just chill out a bit as well And then you see her starting to write a little bit In her notebook She joins the pair in the evening They get a little bit uh, merry And we find that there's some heated discussion I'm going to leave it at that point, okay, for that part one, okay? Part two Mm. is very different, a bit more comical. However, this time, Alison and Gabe are a couple, same retreat, and they are on a film set. So it's almost like, was the first one a rendition of the first version of a film or script, or was the second one a rendition of that as well? So very different. Um, No baby for Blair this time. Alison thought she was a threat really to ruin Alison and Gabe's marriage and very tense on set relationship. Gabe is the director. Alison is starring it, but she's written the film and they argue a little bit. Well, quite a lot in fact, and and discuss oh, this was going to break up our marriage anyway. And then Alison seems to think that Gabe's got this thing for Blair and vice versa. And, Let's just leave it at that. There's lots of tension in both scenes and I'm wondering whether both scenes are supposed to be Alison's written version of the film. So one very serious, one a bit more comical, but a little bit on the serious side as well. I'd love to get your thoughts, Rob, because I was slightly bewildered, I have to say, by the end of the film.
0: I just thought it was too pretentious, to be quite honest. It was like a film within a film within a film. In the first part, Alison plays one character and Gabe and Blair play two other characters. And then, like you say, we then go back to the same shot at the end of that when she's sat looking out to the lake. And then we pull back and she's on a movie set and it's like, okay, so the first 45 minutes we've just watched, was that in her imagination? Because she's got writer's block because she's a writer-actress. So was that just in her mind? Okay, it probably was just in her mind. So now is this the reality? And whereas in the first story, we have Gabe, Blair as a couple and Alison kind of arriving and uncovering the cracks in Blair and Gabe's relationship, and it's all incredibly awkward and tense. And this time round, it's established that Gabe, who's now the director on this shoot, is married to Alison, who's the actress in the shoot. But then, in order for Gabe to get the best performance out of Alison, he's got this thing running with the other co-star Blair to make Alison think they're actually having some kind of fling on the side by just play acting and, and just having glances with each other. And they're, so that in order to try and get some kind of amazing performance out of Alison. And then just as the first story escalates to this crescendo, which kind of involves a crash and a black bear, then we get this huge build-up in the second story, which is all about just trying to get this penultimate, scene in the can that features alison and blair and then at the end just before the credits and i don't think this gives anything away just as she starts to scribble something down she just looks straight down the lens like momentarily and then it just cuts and it's like oh right okay now she's addressing us so basically it's like what's real what's not real I mean, I know it's supposed to be a commentary on various things. It's really quite meta, but I just found it too weird and too pretentious. Mm. It just got in the way of the actual film for me, personally.
1: Yeah, it's strange that it's called Black Bear because it's like the bear only came into play at the end of each part and a very like split second role, the bear. (laughs) So very loose association there to name the film after it. I mean, it's
0: interesting as much. It played on the whole theme of switching gender. You know, there's a whole discussion in the film about gender roles in society. There was a whole thing about auteurs and what people will do to get performance out of people. Kubrick did it, you know, famously. Mm. And I think it's this whole thing of everyone on that movie set. It was like the be all and end all to get this thing done, and the tension and all the escalation. When I was watching, it just thought, oh, this is just ridiculous. But I did read somewhere that it was almost supposed to feel like it looks ridiculous, but in actual fact, if you're on that set, if you're in that world then it will feel like life and death in the same way that you're in the midst of something really serious potentially for your work. You get lost in it. You're completely consumed by it. So it was almost like a window into a world which you're not familiar with. It's like a microcosm of the workplace. I mean, mean, listen to how I'm talking about it. It's so, so, it's so difficult to even explain. And I know that's, that's, I think for people who've liked it, that's part of the draw of it. It's almost like the filmmaker has deliberately come at this in a way that flips movie-making convention on its head, mm. deliberately, to play with your mind. And I think some people are either going to like that and enjoy it. I mean, the performances and the acting, I, I couldn't question. I thought that was really well done. But I just couldn't engage in clearly what the filmmaker was trying to...
1: No. I just is. didn't
0: buy into it. I, I didn't buy into what I, he was trying I to do. I thought
1: they should be almost a part... Three, really, just closure. Again, I want, I want to closure. What was it all about? <laughs> was, uh, just tell me. What, oh, all about? what
0: was it yeah, all about? Yeah, just thing. some
1: closure. Yeah. So um, I don't know. Anyway, the stars. The only person I, I recognised was Paola Lazaro. The others are all sort of starting up in their careers. I know that Aubrey Plaza has done A Park and Recreation and she was in Dirty Grandpa as well. We've got Christopher Abbott who was Gabe who was in Possessor which is one of the films that I mentioned that I've seen before as well. Slightly eerie kind of film and also it was in the TV series Girls for quite a while as well. So yeah I wouldn't say there was any majorly strong actors either. It was quite arty I would say so at the start i thought here we go we're gonna have a really arty film here and then it it wasn't that arty really when you think about it it didn't kind of continue that but i've got a sense it was trying to copy maybe kubrick or someone like that
0: i mean i kind of if i was to try and think of maybe one way to describe it it's like mm. everyone in the world constructs their own opinions and thoughts and values but just underneath the surface if you prod at it product the reasons behind everything some People who are maybe slightly more fragile can crap very easily. And I kind of felt all these characters who were projecting one thing, but in actual fact, just beneath the surface, they were deeply, deeply flawed. And I felt the film was almost prodding away at that whole idea of the kind of condition of people and their minds and their constructs. And then almost adding this additional layer onto that of wouldn't it be fun to almost put this spotlight over the movie-making world and the creative world and the world of a writer and how creatives can get almost lost in themselves. And yeah. all. and with that, because it seems to be maybe a commentary on that kind of area, I suppose it's not surprising that it can feel like it's a bit up its arse and it's a bit pretentious. So whilst I think I knew what it was trying to do, I thought it was a bit too clever for its own good or at least a bit too clever to engage me in the kind of film I like.
1: It's a Marmite film, definitely. I mean, it's, it got four out of five in Empire. Mark Kermode liked it. Go on, go on, give us a rating.
0: I'm going to give it five and a half. Like I say, I could recognise there was good performances in it.
1: Yes. So it's, not really like, really... it's not
0: like the production of it was at fault, but it was almost <laughs> like everything else I just couldn't get into. And so that's why I'm just going to have to give it five and a half. That might well be my lowest or one of the lowest scores I've ever given.
1: Yes. I thought Aubrey Plaza gave a great performance. I think, yeah, all the actors gave a great performance. It was a very interesting concept, but it didn't work for me. I'm going to give it probably my lowest score. I'm going to give it a four out of 10. Oh, wow. I just came finished. I thought, well, that was a waste of time. Why did I bother (laughs) watching (laughs) that?
0: That's a really good barometer, right? If you watch a film and you genuinely think that's been a waste of your time, it has to be lower than a five, doesn't it? Because it is exactly that. It's a waste of your time. You can't get that time back. It's done nothing.
1: That is our opinion. I don't want to put anyone off from watching it. That is our opinion. People have rated it really highly. You may love it out there, listeners. So watch it, and I'd love to get your thoughts, whether we're completely wrong and missed the mark.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. No judgment here. I would really be intrigued to speak to someone who really liked it and explain to me why that was. Because I also think that because my mind just wasn't tuned in, I probably missed a lot. You know, I think I just gave up on it maybe super early. Anyway, so next film, Back to the Future. (laughs)
1: Uh, (laughs) So...
0: This is uh, Robert Zemeckis' film that came out in 1985, starring, obviously, Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd. And it is about a high school student, Marty McFly, whose scientist friend, Doc Brown, comes up with a way of going back in time in a DeLorean sports car. And Marty finds himself in 1951 and bizarrely ends up seeing his parents of a similar age to the age he's just come from. And it's his job to ensure that... They end up as boyfriend and girlfriend so that they marry and the future can turn out as it should be with them having children, one of which is Marty McFly. And whilst he's trying to make this happen, it's a race against time, because he's also had to find his friend Doc Brown, convince him that in the future he made a time machine, and show him a article that predicts there's going to be a lightning strike on a certain evening. And if they use the energy from this lightning strike, it will replicate the same energy that was used in the DeLorean in 1985 to create the time travel. So in other words, McFly goes back in time, he's got to fix his family life to make sure the future stays as it should be. And whilst doing so, he's also got to get back to the future. I don't really know why I have to explain it, because I'm sure everybody has seen Back to the Future. When I Watched it, there were lots of little bits that I forgot about, which I really liked. So, what I haven't kind of said, I suppose, in that little intro is that Marcy's family in 1985, present day, as it were, his dad, George, is a very nervous character. He's not someone who's particularly confident. He hasn't been particularly successful. And that lack of confidence has almost seeped into Marcy McFly, who you know likes to play the guitar, wants to start a band. He always feels uh, kind of hindered a little bit by this lack of confidence. And his mum is a kind of depressive alcoholic and his two siblings haven't really wound up to much. And so what's nice about the film, which, as I say, I forgot, is that when he goes back in time, he has to help his dad, as a teenager, overcome his shyness and almost change his character in order that he'll win the affection of his future mum. Because his future mum actually falls for him, which is the whole problem when he goes back in time. So he's got to try and change that and obviously try and set it up so she actually falls for George. So whilst that's interesting how he kind of makes all that happen, the consequence is that when he then comes back to the future towards the end of the film and goes back home, he sees a completely different family because he made his dad be confident. And so suddenly his dad is this character he doesn't really recognise, completely sure of himself, He kind of arrives at home with his mum and they just have this really great relationship and his two siblings are all dressed up, ready to go to work. They've been really successful. And the character that lots of people will remember from Back to the Future, Biff, who back in time was the high school bully and used to make George do his homework and was always pushing him around because Marty changed that in the future we see Biff actually cleaning George's car. So, I don't know, I just quite like that. I forgot that there was these little bits that actually made him and his family better people, which in turn helps everyone and makes for a better future. There you go. Crikey. I mean, I really waffled Houses.
1: No, very good review. Or good synopsis, let's just say. Synopsis. Good synopsis, Rob. So, I was eight or nine when this came out, and... The thing that stuck with me, and I remember it today, is the music Huey Lewis and the news. <laughs> that's probably one of my first cassette tapes that's showing how old school I am and I remember even everybody loved it from young to older my auntie Anne I remember her dancing with me to Huey Lewis in the News and I think it was just such a different film and probably one of the first films I've seen with so much special effects apart from Star Wars of course and I love the fact it was a following this younger lad really growing up having to make some decisions adult decisions at the same time to, to save almost to save the world and save his family, really. And I love the fact that it starts at the beginning of the film where you have him, him playing his electric guitar and almost blowing his head off because it's so loud and then the garage that he has. It's a bit like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Maybe one, I wonder if the Bill and Ted was a bit of a nod to Back to the Future, potentially. Um, Michael J Fox Who doesn't love Michael J Fox He's such a lovely guy I've seen him on Even like something Like Oprah Winfrey For example And he just comes across A really nice guy I remember him being In Frighteners Also more serious role As well Casualties of warriors Than that And I would say This is the one That sticks I mean he's done Lots of TV series More recently He's got Parkinson's And he's still just a fighter. He just carries on as normal. And I think good on him. But it is definitely Marty McFly that launched his career. And he probably gets called more Marty McFly still today as well. And then Doc Brown. Christopher Lloyd. You know, you've seen him in Who? Framed Roger Rabbit. Clue. Adam's family, and he's, yeah, he's great for the 80s and 90s. I'm not sure how much he's done more recently. You know, he's done some quite a few bits and bobs recently. Exhibition stuff as well. Back to the Future's got a huge following. There'll be some fans like Star Wars fans who will dress up as probably the characters and go to conventions. And what's exciting is that they're about to bring it to the West End as well, and they've probably got it in Broadway already. It's a great 80s film and packed full of adventure. I felt it was a bit odd his mother fancying him in in the early part of the film and him trying to get George McFly more in the front of his mum Lorraine and trying to get George together and it was just very sweet but all I can think of whenever I see George McFly now is the thin man from Charlie's Angels it just I just can't get his horribleness from Charlie's Angels out of my mind from watching that so watching it today it's just, I've got a slightly different perception of it when I was a kid and then Biff he's a bit of a bully really isn't he and i find it the prosthetics or the the makeup just looks so false <laughs> these days whereas it was probably a bit more believable when you were a bit younger as well i would say but you can't really fault it it was it was a classic it's gone on to do two other great films and it's got a huge following so have you got any further things to say about it I, I've...
0: did you know that biddy zane was in this no was he a yeah, friend? Exactly. He was, uh, he was called <laughs> Match. He was in Biff's Gang. And also James Tolkien, who played Mr. Strickland at the school, he was the guy who had that amazing line in Top Gun where he says to Mav, your ego's writing checks, your body can't cash. It, he was the guy who was the captain or lieutenant or whoever it was on the ship every time Mav got into trouble. So when he popped up in the school, I was like, oh, I'm sure I recognise him. I thought that was quite cool to see these uh, random people who you remember from other 80s films. I think the only thing that I just thought when I was watching this, and it's a bit like when I watched Indiana Jones and The Raiders of the Lost Ark, it's very, very difficult to fault it. It's an amazing... Concept, Great writing, just great performances. And even though it's from the 80s, I mean, I did find the opening scene when Power of Love came in and he's skateboarding to school because he's late. That didn't actually have quite the same punch as I remember it because it wasn't actually such a dramatic scene. When we watched it when we were younger, it would have been way more dramatic. Mm. Watching a boy get to school quickly on his skateboard.
1: It was very cool, I have to say. How many people tried to grab hold of backs of cars trying to skate along (laughs) behind it? You know, I think it really launched skateboarding as well. And other than Bart Simpson, I think uh, Marty McFly really projected it.
0: You remember Michael J. Fox? I mean, obviously he's an amazing guy. And I've read his autobiography. I would really, really recommend it. It's hugely Mm. inspiring because obviously so much of it is about his Parkinson's, but just what an incredibly successful actor he was. And you know that look he has. You know, some of these actors have that expression. An actual fact: Harrison Ford has it. that kind of almost baffled, confused uh, look on his face as if he's just, don't know, what the hell's going on. Michael J. Fox was so good at that. Um, Mm. And it worked so perfectly for this film because there were so many situations, he was just like, I can't believe what I'm seeing. I mean, I just... the, The whole idea of him having to go back in time and try and make sure that his mum and dad actually get together whilst his mum's has the hots for him, and then throw into that this amazing cool time machine in a DeLorean. I just kind of found it purely from a Hollywood movie. The things that have to fall into place for a blockbuster adventure-type Hollywood movie, this just nailed it. It had everything. Like
1: It does. Good music, great good special music. effects, great, yeah. funny. A film of its time but also for the future and just some great, great acting, you know, slightly, almost a little bit overacted on occasions, but that's what you expect from this type of film anyway, don't you?
0: But Christopher Lloyd's brilliant in it. I actually thought one of the best performances in it was actually George McFly, played by Crispin Glover. I just thought he was so good, you know, seeing him as a dad who's not particularly confident, then going back in time to see what he was like at high school. I, I just thought he pulled that off pretty really
1: well. I also thought he, it was in... He did, but he just still reminds me of the Thin Man from Charlie's Angels. <laughs> <laughs> With was <laughs> was his I... walking stick, or, or was it Umbrella or walking stick? I can't remember. Anyway, I wouldn't have known... I've that in those days, and it? When I first watched it, it was... I watched it at the cinema. I was absolutely amazed. I think it was around my birthday it was released in January time. It was one of those films that I'd go and watch on my birthday, take my mum or my dad yes. with me. It was my and birthday a, treat.
0: And I think for people of our generation, shall we say, I remember this period of cinema, like queuing mm. round the block to go and see a Star mm. Wars film. It was that kind of era. Yeah. And, and so there's always that nostalgia that you'll have for it as well. I mean, quite famously as well. Michael J. Fox, this was at the height of his fame when he was doing Family Ties TV series. And what he used to do, he used to tape that show. And then mm. he used to drive straight to the set of Back to the Future. This was at the end of the day. And then he would film from six in the evening through to six in the morning. Then he would have five hours sleep and do it all uh-huh. again. So they filmed all of the nighttime scenes like that. And then they had to do pickups to do the daytime scenes. So he was flat out. And and it's amazing when you think he was almost Pushing himself to the limit to do that role, but it it's iconic, isn't it? I remember him going on after Back to the Future, and then he was in Team Wolf. He was the thing for quite a while. But this character, yeah. Team this Wolf, role, of course,
1: I forgot Team Wolf. Yeah. yeah,
0: he was great. I love Michael J. Fox. Kick
1: it off. Yeah, I do. I think he's a great guy, and uh, just box office as well. So budget, it's it cost uh, nineteen million to make worldwide gross. How much do you think? Oh my god! Oh, Back in gross. the eighties now um
0: i'll say 50 million
1: 381 million
0: wow that's the box office when it was released back then yeah wow that's amazing yeah i just thought it was brilliant and what's quite amusing actually i found it's quite amusing just as sarah was saying like there are There's such an affinity for this film with a huge generation of fans. And when we picked this last week to do it, that same evening I found on my Facebook feed an ad for for Back to the Future, the musical. Yeah. Uh, And I just thought, wow, that's bizarre. So... Yeah, it's coming yeah. out again in another format, this yeah. whole story. And if you think of the whole time-travelling thing, it'll be interesting to see how they do that on
1: stage. I'm intrigued to see that. I have to say, though, I wanted to watch this with my boys. They weren't interested in the slightest in watching it. I'm wondering if it's because, because it's they know it's an old film. If they watched it, I think I'm sure they'll be mesmerised. Anyway, it won an Oscar, Best... Sound effects So best sound effects It got nominated for best writing screenplay Not as surprised well. about that at all And got nominated for best music Original song The Power of Love Which was Huey Lewis in the News Yeah so it, it actually got an Oscar Which was great I didn't realise it had an Oscar actually behind it
0: I didn't either So that is a very good little movie fact mm. Because you assume that these kind of films These popcorn type films Maybe don't actually yeah. get those kind of accolades
1: Exactly So I am going to give this film And this is going to be me being really tight This is purely from watching it these days When I was back in the day I was in awe of it I have to say And I should probably look at it in that way However, when you see them getting old, how they look, it just looks bizarre to me and oh, I'm going give it I'm, I'm going to give it a nine out of ten I'm going to give it a nine out of 10. It's a great, great film. It's did incredibly well and yeah there's fond memories thinking about back to the future and I love Michael J. Fox he's fantastic.
0: I'm going to give it nine and a half oh. because you're right the makeup. When he comes back and sees his dad, there was part of it when the time machine, you could tell there was some compositing that's pretty obvious, but it's of its time. And I wasn't hugely blown away, actually, by the opening, which I should have been because that's the Huey Lewis bit and him skateboarding school. But it, it was just pretty much flawless, especially for its time and still holds up incredibly well. It's a bit like, I don't know what I gave Raiders of the Lost Ark, but I think I gave that a pretty high score. Nine and a half, I think it was amazing. Yeah, that's no, very good
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, the, I, I would say, actually, one of my favourite scenes is when um, Lorraine, his mum, goes, oh, your name's Calvin, <laughs> because he's got Calvin Klein pants written <laughs> and the writing on his pants. is hilarious. Love that bit, love that scene.
0: Okay, so we're on to the newbie for this week. And we are going for a family animation, which is getting pretty good reviews. Well, very good reviews. The Mitchells versus The Machines. And this is on Netflix.
1: That's right.
0: So a quirky, dysfunctional family's road trip is upended when they find themselves in the middle of the robot apocalypse and suddenly become humanity's unlikeliest last hope. Yeah, I, I must admit, I tried to watch a little bit of this, but I really wasn't. Uh, I think I was multitasking. So I've got no excuse now to sit down and actually watch it properly because I know a lot of people who've really enjoyed this. And it'd be nice to do a family movie because apparently there's lots in here for the kids and it's just there's quite a lot in there for the adults as well
1: it's uh, got Abby Jacobson in it Danny McBride Mayor Rudolph And Olivia Coleman as well And my boys have watched it And they loved it So they want to watch it again So that's a great excuse for me to watch it with them
0: Okay, so we're on to the oldie And it's going to be a movie off Sarah's list this week mm-hmm. And this week's genre is, is Thriller or horror
1: <laughs> Okay Go on then. I've got 27. 27? Mm, okay. More than I thought. More than I thought.
0: Where's well, the 14th today? So, number 14. Right, you've got a choice. i got a choice?
1: Yeah, okay. you're going to have a choice. You're going to have a oh, choice this
0: Wow, okay.
1: Okay, I'm going to offer you yeah. either yeah. Flatliners in 1990 with uh, Julia Roberts... Kiva Sutherland, Brat Pack. the Brat Keep Pack. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So you can either have that one or yeah. you can have Mystic River with, with Sean Penn is... and Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon is in both films, actually.
0: Well, that's actually quite a tough choice. Flatliners it is.
1: It's gonna. It could be a bit of a uh, Guilty Pleasures.
0: Yes, no, it definitely could. I remember watching Flatliners.
1: Did you like
0: it? I can't remember <laughs> what I thought of it, to be quite honest.
1: I remember, I loved it at the time. So, okay, so 14 is... Flatliners in 1990 because I know they've released a newer version of it but this is a drama thriller and it's got Julia Roberts Kevin Bacon and Keith Sutherland and I think it's one of the Baldwin brothers as well I don't know whether it's Stephen I think it's Stephen Baldwin in it not Alec Baldwin
0: it's Billy It's well William it's, it's Billy, Billy Billy Baldwin, Baldwin. Oh! Yeah, there we go. go it's the other one So, but this was wanna... this is quite good because it's Julia Roberts when she was in her mm,
1: early this days the
0: early days exactly so yeah, I remember watching, this is going to be good fun. Uh-huh. Five medical students experiment with near-death experiences until the dark consequences of past tragedies begin to jeopardise their lives. Whoa, ha, ha, ha. This town's a horror <laughs> as well, isn't it? Drama, horror, mm. sci-fi.
1: Right, so you chose thriller, horror.
0: <laughs> I know, I know. I'm just it's surp- the right category. <laughs> I'm surprised that this is a horror. I don't remember it being in any way horrifying, but maybe it was. And uh, where, yeah. can we, where can we watch that
1: one? It is streaming currently on Sky Go and Now T V. You can rent or buy it from other online channels. Lovely. So I can't believe fiftieth episode almost over, Rob. I know. So the next time that we've
0: gonna have this kind of celebration, <laughs> it's gonna be yeah, on. Yeah. it's gonna be a hundred.
1: Maybe we should do seventy five.
0: <laughs> yeah, do seventy five. All right. Every twenty but we didn't do twenty five.
1: No, you're right we didn't, but yeah, we should celebrate more.
0: Okay, all right, okay. I like it. We
1: should should basically just celebrate more. I'm all for that. And birthdays and, you know. Especially if
0: it means you're going to get dressed up as Princess Leia.
1: Yeah, uh, you like it. Chris's eyes lit up anyway. Oh, I mentioned his name. Mr. Paul's eyes lit up anyway.
0: It's worth noting that it's Princess Leia from Star Wars, not Princess Leia from Return of the Jedi. That's a whole different outfit.
1: I'm just wearing, yes, <laughs> yeah. I'm not wearing a bikini kind of outfit. No. I'm wearing the so, white, the white not, exactly. Top you're not Jabba.
0: You're not Jabba's slave. No.
1: <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> imagine if I imagine if you, if you turned around and Chris behind you was Jabba. That would be amazing. <laughs> have you went? Have you been to Jabba recently?
0: No, I haven't. And even when I got my jab, I didn't say, Take me to Jabber. No, I wouldn't either.
1: I said that to someone else. Oh, so you're going to Jabber. And they just looked at me with it. And like, it's like one of those Western movies with the, the <laughs> straw that. the tumbleweed, bar. yeah. <laughs> yeah tumbleweed, you're
0: like, You <laughs> I What are you on about? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it had to be said. They're obviously Absolutely. not too, too small cokes fan, are they? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Why the hell not?
1: <laughs> exactly. Oh dear. Anyway, it's been great fun. Thank you very much, Rob, and thank That's you right. to all our listeners. And uh, here's to another fifty more.
0: Here's another fifteen. We'll see you next week.
1: Yep. Bye. Bye. <laughs> you sound like ET. Bye
0: Be bye. home Bye bye What did you just say? What did you just be say? Be home I thought you said be hole. I thought what's that? No. hole <laughs> <laughs> that's, well, that's, po- that's another uh, podcast
1: Comes after A He was <laughs> <laughs> like
0: I'm an a-hole You're a b-hole <laughs> <laughs>